On this month's episode of Vocations and Vacations podcast, we wanted to use the Verve's Bittersweet Symphony, but we didn't want to have to pay royalties to Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, a.k.a. the Rolling Stones. We will also be talking about how parenting is bittersweet, how there's highs and lows. Um, A family member on the cruise that we took recently asked me how foster parenting was going. And I said, you know, it's the best thing we've done and it's the hardest thing that we've ever done in our lives. And I do feel like I'm, even though I've turned 40 today, woohoo, 40 and fabulous. um, I'm relatively new to parenting And um, I do think, though, that parenting universally um, with my very limited experience is also um, bittersweet for everybody um, because it's always going to be the best thing and the hardest thing that you would ever have done. However, you became a parent Um, being a parent. It's just it's it's bittersweet. There's highs and there's lows constantly. So that's why we called this episode Bittersweet Parenting. And then Jason's going to talk about bittersweet as far as a vacation. So vacations can also be bittersweet as they're not always full of happy, happy, fun, fun, extreme joy all the time. Sometimes you have moments of lows as well as those highs. And also this was a bittersweet vacation because originally when we planned it, we were planning on having my uncle go with us, Uncle George, and then also my father, Big Dad, who was going to go with us. And we had wanted to go to Alaska because it was my grandfather's dream to always go to Alaska, but he never really had the opportunity on this side of the grave. As we look at our vocation spotlight for this month, we're focusing on mothers and fathers and also their children. Martin Luther writes in the table of duties to parents, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And also to children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. This is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Okay. Well, as we were talking about this, and um, and I was looking for a quote about motherhood because I always feel that I tend to be a quote person because I always feel that on the spot I'm not as articulate as some um, people who are just natural writers and podcasters. Um, so I follow, if as you know, if you've listened to previous episodes, um, I'm a big fan of Jamie Finn from Foster the Family. Um, she has a book called Foster the Family Instagram. Um, podcast, um, Facebook, she's all over the social medias, as I would say. Um, and she had a great quote as we were nearing Mother's Day that said about motherhood that I thought was just great. Um, she said, motherhood is a miracle. To me, the miracle of motherhood used to mean, yes, miraculously, but also far too simply, that our bodies could create and carry new life. But now my definition of the miracle has expanded. To women stepping into other mothers and children's stories with radical love and sacrifice. To women spending up their lives to serve children born to them and children born to another. To women living out their days to care and advocate and nurture and train and love. Um, This is also a miracle. And so that's what I think of. I think of motherhood as a miracle, no matter which way you came to it. 
you know, I came to it where we were asked at four o'clock on a Wednesday and then by eight 30, they were there. Right. Yep. Um, and so motherhood, you know, you're never really ready. Um, I had a friend one time ask, you know, I asked her, um, she was dazed from having her first baby. And I said, do you feel you're ready? And she said, you're never really ready. You just, you just take that step and you, and you just do it and you figure it out. And I think that's true too. Um, I think, motherhood stories there's many individual ones but there also is very universal ones um and so being a mother to me is a miracle all right looking at the father's perspective uh one of my friends on nearing father's day posted uh or forwarded a a post from focus on the family this post originally appeared on their website or on facebook on september 20th 2013 and it was talking with jim gaffigan he's a comedian and they posed a question to him, why so many kids? Because if you know anything about Gaffigan at the time, he had five kids. Gaffigan's response was, well, why not? I guess the reasons against having children always seem uninspiring and superficial. What exactly am I missing out on? Money? A few more hours of sleep? A more peaceful meal? More hair? These are nothing compared to what I get from these five monsters who rule my life. I believe each of my five children has made me a better man. So I figure I only need another 34 kids to be a pretty decent guy. <laughs> and I, that made me laugh because we don't have five kids in our home. We're not licensed for that. Um, but, you know, we've done respite and long-term care for about mm, 16 months. And, well, 16 months in Kansas because we did do some, you know, some of it in Montana too. And I counted, um, and we've done respite or long-term for 15 children in a year. And um, every child that we have encountered has taught us something, and we're better for it. Um, parenting, I do believe, I do think self-care is so important and taking care of yourself. Um, but I do think that the selfishness has been, a, kind of, I hate to say beaten out of us, but I think it's been um, polished out of us, let's say that, um, because you you think about another person or or persons in our case more because you just naturally that's just what you do is when you have kids is that you you know your your worries and your focus becomes them and that's and that's a good thing that's what it should be and I would say that you know I always feel that we get out of it um more than we put in um not to say we don't do our best but I think that wouldn't you agree that every kid we've had, even if we've only met them once, has taught us something or has helped us to grow as people? Yes, of course. Okay. Um, so speaking of kids, um, when we decided to go to Alaska, um, unfortunately, you know, um, you cannot take children who are in, you know, the state's care out of the country, even though Alaska is... Uh, you know, is part of the U.S. that we would be in foreign waters. Um, so you can't take them with you on a cruise. So um, I did 11 days of outfits for three kids, um, which if you do the math, and then I think I always added in three others. So three times, thir three times 13. What is that, Jason? Uh, 39. 39. There we go. 39. What I was yesterday. 39 years. I was 39 years old yesterday and I packed 39 outfits. I had a list of everything. Um, I think I spent one day just sitting on the floor of our living room with all these gallon bags 
um, writing on them because I like to organize and just putting together outfits while I watch TV for hours. Well, not just outfits. You had separate bags yes. for the undergarments, yes. other bags for uh, socks. Yes. And then also pajamas yes. where you can yes. so- shove a few yes. in the bag. Yes. And in that, you know, and that is that might the thought of doing that may drive may make some people think there's no way that is not me. And that's fine. But that's just how my brain works is gallon bags. And I need gallon bags and a marker and I'm OK. Um, and then we also had signed the girls up for um, summer ball and then just with appointments and whatever. Um, we're so thankful our um, respite provider is so is so great and was willing to take them to the, um, you know, the appointments and then the games and things like that. Because, um, you know, you would think summer wouldn't I mean, I guess we thought summer would not be super busy, but I feel like we're almost as busy as we are during the school year. I, I would say more. <laughs> Because we have pool time. <laughs> That's right. Pool time. You you know, one of my, my work besties said that the key to getting kids to sleep at night is sun and chlorine um, and having them just swim every day. And I think that that has worked out for us, actually. Every other day. For every us. other day for us. But that has worked out is we have taken that to heart. And I definitely think that pool time is necessary during the summer to get some energy out. So um, speaking of the vacation, we're going to talk about Seattle. Um, Seattle, I told Jason, you know, we've been to Miami, which if you've listened to previous podcasts, I, you know, no offense to Miamians, it's not my, it's not my jam. Um, We've done, we've, you know, we've cruised out of Miami, Galveston, which I never pronounced right in our eight years together. Is it Galveston? No, Gal. Gal. Galveston. Galveston. I will never probably say it right. Um, I like Galveston because it's in Texas and the people there are very nice and it's very laid back. And I I found that port to not be too hectic. I like it. Um, But my favorite port now is Seattle. Um, Seattle is just cool. It's just groovy. It's beautiful. Um, I knew Washington was beautiful because we had been to Spokane. Um, But it's just beautiful. It's it's cool. Uh, it's just got this great artistic vibe. I told Jason, I said, you know, if we had family in the Pacific Northwest, um, and we could afford to live in Seattle area, cause it's one of the fastest growing places, um, people are moving to in the Seattle area. I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, but you know, I'm from the Midwest and Jason's from Texas and, um, we've lived away from family in the West and that's not something we want to explore again. Um, but if I, you know, if I had family and friends in Seattle, I would definitely be making up excuses to go visit them. It is just cool. It's just fun. It was a fun place. I told Jason, I said it was my favorite place, pl- you know, place to fly to to um, cruise out of. Now, Jason will talk about the port itself not being his favorite. But if I were just looking at the city itself and the surrounding areas. I would say by far, I loved Seattle and I wish we'd had more time there. Yeah. One of the things that we talked about was you can't ever really spend too much time getting ready for your vacation, getting ready to get on the cruise. And sometimes you just want to spend an extra day or two or even a week to, to explore the city just to take it all in. Mm-hmm. And so while we were there in Seattle, we rented a, a minivan so that way we could haul a lot of people with us and have easier access trying to get in and out rather than like a 12-passenger or 15-passenger van. And one of the things that caught my eye as the driver uh, was when we were coming back from Seattle itself, Seattle proper, and heading back to the SeaTac Airport area, since that was where our hotel was, 
was all of a sudden we rounded a bend in the road and Mount Rainier was just right in front of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Beautiful, Mm -hmm. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then we had to hit the brakes because (laughs) traffic. Right. And I will say to jump on that, um, I appreciated that Jason and and Grand, Jason's mom, um, rented cars because you know how I feel about um, shuttles. Shuttles from the airport based on my Miami experience. Um, so having ca- a car or cars to go get around Seattle, while pricey, I mean, it was pricey. It was great because we had the freedom to go when we wanted to go. Um, Jason was very kind and picked everybody up from the airport, which I know was painful for him at times because it was very chaotic. Um, but, you know, my mom and dad having knowing they had a you know, Jason was going to be there you know, John and Mike, um, my uncle, John, my brother, Mike, um, were picked up by Jason and that was helpful though. They would have been fine riding the shuttle. They would have done it, but it is a lot nicer to just after all that traveling to have time to decompress with people, you know, in the car. Um, so I definitely recommend doing that of run if you can, and you're comfortable driving around. I don't know if I would have been, but (laughs) I was along for the ride. Um, We went to the famous Pike Place Market, which that itself, my mother-in-law had said, Grant, she could spend a couple days just exploring that. Um, It is just awesome. They they sell a lot of really neat things. I was talking to a woman at the market, the actual market, and she said that um, very few of the vendors are – are hosted by people who, you know, the booths are all people who are from the Seattle, Tacoma, um, Washington area. They, they don't want people just selling things that are not made by people from Washington. They don't want mass market things. I bought a beautiful, um, piece of glass. that was sea glass, um, from someone and, and it was by an artist who was from the area and, and they will kick you out if they find out that you're, you know, not making these things and they're mass produced, um, you know, things that just tourists tend to buy that are mass produced and cheaply made, um, they really try to stop that. And the things that are for sale at Pike's Place Market and the actual market um, are from Washington and usually independent business owners. Yeah. And so one of the things that always catches the interest, catches the eye, well, you hear it and you see it, is the Pike Place Fish Market. Uh, I affectionately refer to this as the flying fish at Pike Place Market simply because they're throwing the fish. Uh, They usually do it, especially when there's a crowd there. And if people are buying, then they keep throwing the fish, keep throwing the fish, keep throwing the fish. And one of the things I looked at was it's about 10,000 people every day during the summer tourism season head to Pike Place Market to see the Pike Place Fish Market. It's just a wonderful experience to to take in, to enjoy with family and with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, another place that actually is right by Place Pike Place Market is the original Starbucks location. And you know, if I wasn't with a big group, I probably you know we got there and I felt like. Um, Ralphie and a Christmas story when I thought the line was here and someone's like, no, the line, <laughs> the line is down there. Like when he went to go see Santa and it was forever. I probably, it probably would have, what I think about an hour and a half is probably how long I would have stood in line if I wanted to go in there. What do you think? And you would have. And I would have if it was just me. I would have stood in line. Um, but I did not want my 
um, travel mates to have to do that. So we quickly went and got a picture by the original Starbucks um, mermaid, um, who's a little, it's a little more of a saucy picture than you see now on the mermaid, on the Starbucks cups. I will say that. I sent a picture to my friend. Um, I said, hey, look, I'm with the original Starbucks. And she texted back and said, why is that mermaid naked? So... <laughs> I didn't even think about it, but yeah, it's a, it's a bit more saucy and cheeky. We'll say that about that, um, that original Starbucks mermaid. But you know, if I'm ever there again and maybe it's just me and Jason and I might say, Hey, you go do your thing. I'm going to stand here so I can say I got a coffee from the original Starbucks. But you know, when you're in a big group like that, that's not really something that you want to do is everybody stand in line for an hour and a half. If only one person's into it. Um, so yeah. So not only did we have uh, that mecca for some people traveling to Seattle who want to go see the original Starbucks location. It's just a small Starbucks location. But some people want to go there. Some people like myself. <laughs> but we also did some other kind of touristy things in the area. And Sam, what was one of your favorite that you took in with your eye? The Chihuly Garden and Glass. Did I pronounce that right? Correct. Okay. So the garden, we actually did not go in the museum because I think it was like $39 per person. Uh, plus we got notification from my family because they had went yeah. back to the airport, back to the hotel a little earlier than we were planning on. And they said, uh, we're still an hour away mm -hmm. and we left 30 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we had to pick my parents up. And that's why I said, you know, if we did Seattle again, I would like a couple days where we're not going to have to pick people up at the airport and we had more freedom because a lot of those things, you know, we had to weigh, you know, because we're in Seattle, it's beautiful, but a lot of other people are in Seattle too. And so we had to weigh and, and kind of gauge how long things would take us. So a lot of things we couldn't do because, you know, we had already had prior commitments, Um, you know, but we hit Seattle right when the flower, I had never seen flowers this big um, ever and they were just beautiful and vibrant. It's just, like I said, like I keep saying, Seattle is just beautiful. And the, you know, because it's so, um, they have so much more moisture than where we currently live. The Just the trees are very vibrant. The flowers, just everything. Now, I will say, bring your own water because we paid $4, a $4 for a bottle of water each. So $16. That was expensive at the garden. Um, but it was just cool. It was beautiful. You, you know, if we had had time, we would have laid in the grass. But because we knew the traffic was going to be bad getting to the airport and back to our hotel, which it, it was. You know, we we had to go back. But I, I would definitely recommend that if you have time. Um, when we were at the pier, I would have done the giant Ferris wheel if the line wasn't so long or if we had time. That would have been something I would have done is the, Seattle, uh, the pier. Um, is it Pier 59? I think 51. 51. Well, the pier by Pike's Place. Let's say that. A Pike's Place market. Um, that's... There's several piers. There's several piers, but they're the one that's famous is the one that has the Ferris wheel. I would have done that if we had had time. Yeah. So that's why I say if we were to go back to Seattle, I want a couple days where we're not committed to um, meeting any meeting up with anybody because then we could block out time for that. Yeah, and some of the other things that we didn't get to experience was the uh, Seattle Aquarium. Mm -hmm. We didn't get to go up the Space Needle. Mm -hmm. We didn't get to visit the Jimi Hendrix Museum. Which would have been me and my dad. My dad's a big Jimi fan, um, and I love Jimi Hendrix, so that would have been really cool to do that. Um, they have a great music scene. But we did see the Space Needle relatively close when we were at, at the, the gardens. Yeah, at, at the, the base. base. At the base. Um, so Seattle itself is a really, I would say, is a great place to go just for a vacation, you know, um, before your cruise or after your cruise or just to go. 
Yeah. So one of the things that we did was um, because we were traveling as a family, we we bought um, dinner out for the family on uh, on Thursday evening. We went to one of Sam's favorite places. Mm-hmm. Buca de Beppo. We did go to Buca de Beppo. Because several of my family members had never been to a Buca de Beppo. Mm-hmm. And then on Friday night, or sorry, that was Friday night for Buca de Beppo. And then Saturday night, we went to uh, Fogo de Chao. Mm-hmm. And one of the people in our in our party, Sam's mom, uh, as we've talked about before, has a little bit of motion sickness problem. So she didn't want to go with us uh, just because their plane landed and she wasn't feeling that great. So we understood that. So uh, we were trying to decide what we were going to get her on the way back. And we couldn't really come up with anything. She didn't want uh, to take advantage of what we had suggested. She wanted to, to kind of look at different menus of restaurants around. Um, unfortunately, I had to to take the rental car back and then get on a couple of different shuttle buses to eventually be back at the hotel. And what she had decided she wanted was a Dimly's om- Denny's omelet. Uh, she wanted a ham and cheese omelet with mushrooms. And my wife texted me, um, the, the guy got here with the order and the order's wrong. <laughs> well, my, my parent, you know, my, my dad came over and said, I don't understand. Um, this is, this is not what your mom ordered. And I was like, well, I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I will say, where did, did we stay at Hampton? Yeah, we stayed at the Hampton Inn. We stayed at Hampton. We stayed actually right by the Delta, like headquarters. Delta, Delta, uh, Delta, Delta. Can I help you help, help you? And so, um, we would see the little dent, the dent. Uh, Delta, excuse me, the Delta um, airline, you know, the, the workers, we'd see them and we see the flight, the stewardesses and the stewards. Um, but we were not in a location where, well, our food was like super close. I mean, if you wanted to walk down the street. And, and walking down the street in Seattle is usually walking down one and, hill and, and then up, up another. another. Um, so there wasn't a lot of food places nearby, which that was a hindrance. And the, the hotel didn't have a overpriced uh, dining area, which I could I would have liked, um, especially because my mom wasn't able to go with us to, was it Fogo de Chao? Yeah, Fogo de Chao. Um, which Fogo de Chao in Seattle, super loud. I yeah. did not anticipate that. Um, you know, we went to the one in Kansas City, and I just remember it was so quiet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Seattle's bigger. Um, it was prom. The whole weekend was like prom. So we saw girls in, dressed up in beautiful dresses. We saw boys you know, dressed up in tuxes. People taking pictures. It was really – it was fun. Um, but it was really loud. So if you go to the Fogo de Chao in Seattle, be prepared that you – like I was right next to my dad. And I we were almost – it felt like at times we were doing like pantomime because we couldn't hear each other. Um, so anyway, so yes, yeah, so my, I texted Jason and I said, um, my mom's order, but it was like nine 30 at night. There wasn't a whole lot we could do. And I just said, it's wrong. I just told her to eat it. <laughs> so I, it, it took about 30 minutes for me to get on the shuttle bus, uh, from the rental car facility back to the airport. And then I was waiting at the airport. I had called the hotel, um, let them know that I needed to be picked up at this one area where they told me to, to go to. And so I had just gotten on the bus. We were talking with some other people on the bus, on the, the shuttle bus for the, the hotel, which wasn't too bad. And uh, we're talking about the vacations, the, the cruise lines that we're going to be on. And uh, I get a phone call from a Georgia number. And the person on the other end of the line, it's a woman, and she says, you don't know me and I don't know you, but you got my food. <laughs> and I, I said, oh, okay, this makes a lot more sense now. 
she said, yeah, I called in to Uber Eats or uh, DoorDash or what have you. And I, I wanted uh, Jack in the Box, a burger, some tacos and a few other things. And they give me the, the driver gives me a bag from Denny's. And I tell him, I don't I didn't order this. I said, OK, so that explains where the Denny's or the omelet went. And she said, uh, she said, well, I hope your mother-in-law has a has a good omelet on the ship. And I said, yeah, don't worry. And so she asked me what ship we were going to be on. I told her the Norwegian Encore. She said they had just gotten off that day on the Bliss, and they were going to be heading back to Georgia in the morning. And so just kind of a, a wonderful conversation with a, a woman named LaShonda. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I debated taking a picture of an omelet uh, with my mother-in-law and saying, <laughs> hey, LaShonda, my, mo- my mother-in-law finally got her omelet. Thanks for letting us know. I will say though i do think lashonda got as far as who got the better food i mix up i do think my mom i looked at the the jack in the box and i went ooh, taco and dessert and this cheeseburger and then she you know got the omelet which omelets are good but i mean if i had a choice between like delicious jack in the box or an omelet at nine o'clock at night i would probably pick jack in the box so i think my mo- poor lashonda kind of got the you know she got the the worst deal out of there yeah um so Moving on to that, so we were also, you know, we talk a lot about Seattle, and um, we were laughing because that weekend we kept seeing, we you know, we'd be driving around on the corners, we would see people dressed up as, like, Edward Scissorhands. And Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Um, Pennywise, which that's terrifying, uh, the clown from It just staring at you from the, the corner. You know it's not him, but it's it's terrifying. You know it's not a real person. And all these other horror, you know, famous horror characters, horror characters. And, you know, I just kind of chalked it up. I was like, well, this, you know, it's Seattle. It's a big city. I mean, it it is what it is. You're just going to see stuff like that. Well, my Aunt Fran came at the last, decided to come. And we were so happy because the more the merrier. But she stayed at Doubletree because Hampton was booked. And so we picked her up the next morning. We were laughing. Um, Apparently, you know, there's like Comic-Con, which... Um, people do. Is it called cosplay? Yes. I'm old. It's called, I don't know what it is, cosplay. Well, Horror Con was that weekend at the Double Tree, which that clicked why we were seeing people dressed up as like Edward Scissorhands and, um, you know, Sweeney Todd and Pennywise and um, Jason, not husband Jason, but, you know, Jason Friday the 13th. And so we're like, oh. And so what happened was is that we were laughing hysterically. So my aunt got into the elevator and she's like, I see the guy from Hellraiser to my right. And I see the guy, um, like some scary clown to the left. And then I go up to my room and um, the doors are all open on the other rooms. And it's really loud. And people are smoking things that will just say that you can smoke in Washington, but you can't smoke in Kansas um, without it being illegal. We'll say that. So it stunk. And so she called and said, I'm not going to sleep at all. Uh, I need to be moved to a different tower. So I guess the moral of that story is if you're going to book somewhere, um, you know, maybe we always end up, I feel like I always joke with Jason that we always end up on the same floor as like a teenage boy summer ball league. So, you know, I just pray that it's going to be quiet and usually it's not. Um, so anytime I see summer ball, uh, teams in the hotel prior to kids, because now that we have kids, we're just as loud. Um, I always think, Oh no, but, um, yeah, my poor aunt ended up on the same floor originally as the people at the horror convention. So that was really funny. All right, so moving on from Seattle itself to Alaska. Mm -hmm. Sam, how was Alaska? 
Alaska is beautiful. I mean, I remember thinking, I feel like I'm in a movie. I feel like I'm almost in a children's fairy tale, especially when we were in the woods and we were in actually like the nature of Alaska. Um, Alaska is just beautiful. I don't picture it. My, as my mother-in-law said, pictures don't do it justice. Um, it's just beautiful. Um, I will say this, that, you know, this was my fifth cruise and the first day of cruising um, was super choppy. Um, and I don't get motion sickness super easy. I mean, it's, I'm, I think I'm in the middle. I'm not someone to get super motion sickness easily, but I'm also don't have a stomach of steel when it comes to that. But the first day, um, you know, my dad said I was laughing. My dad said that he stood up from watching TV and he was, he was like kind of, you know, going back and forth, kind of like swaying. And he thought, is the ship sinking or the sh- not sinking? Is the ship swaying or did I not take all my medication today? That's what he thought. But my, you know, my my mom and I, who both have motion sickness issues, um, we spent a lot of time in our room <laughs> that first day because um, it was so choppy. Um, I think that all the Dramamine on the ship sold out and my aunt yes. went to, into Juno to get some. So the f- I will warn you that, you know, I've done this was my fifth cruise. And I had never experienced motion sickness on a cruise, but I did the first day, which that was a bummer. Um, but I think even you and your brother were a little. Yeah, we went ahead and took some uh, some Dramamine less drowsy mm-hmm. uh, just as a preventative, a mm-hmm. precautionary mm-hmm. measure. Mm-hmm. So I will warn you. I don't know if that was just the way it is, but according to Jason, Alaska is supposed to have very calm waters, but that did not happen yeah one of the the person one of the people who i looked on a couple of different uh websites for as well as like facebook just to do some research said i've been to alaska uh over 70 days at sea and i've had three total days of really bad water and uh one of the other commenters who was on a different ship uh that left the same day as we did was did everyone have bad motion sickness that day or was it just me? And pretty much everyone was saying, no, it wasn't just you. A lot mm-hmm. of people were complaining about mm-hmm. being motion sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back to Alaska, uh, my mom, uh, Grand, she said one of the things that uh, kind of stuck in her mind was go to Alaska when you are young. Don't wait until you're 70 or 80 and have to have a walker or a wheelchair just to get around. You need to experience Alaska when you're young and when you're energetic and when you can do the things. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the activities and stuff are more kind of hiking mm-hmm. and dog sleds and stuff like that. So just go when you're younger, mm-hmm. spend a lot more time making memories, not looking forward to making mm-hmm. those memories. I remember we were in Skagway and we were, you know, what if you've listened to these podcast episodes, um, you know that both Jason and I are not outdoorsy people like camping, kayaking. Um, there was a tour by us that was a kayak and a hiking tour. And the guy said, the, the gentleman who was the, I was listening to him. We were waiting for our tour guide to another thing that had nothing to do with hiking. He said, these are the last facilities you will have for two hours. So it's either facilities or facilities. You take your pick. And I thought, oh boy, I'm glad we're not on that tour because that would be my concern the whole time is, is the restroom situation. Um, so yes, I would say it is more physical. Alaska was more physical. Even if you picked the things that were low level. I mean, I felt our stuff was pretty low level. I was walking, a lot of walking and standing, but it wasn't like level two or level three. Um, but it's, yeah, Alaska just hits differently as far as the exertion of energy. You know, the the warmer cruises, everything's just a little slower. It's a little more laid back, a little more island time, usually pretty chill, at least we've, what we've done. Um, but Alaska, you definitely have to walk more. Um, so in Juneau, which Juneau is only accessible 
by sea, right? And air. And air. So there's no roads out of Juneau you can drive. You can drive around Juneau, obviously, but you can't drive um, out of Juneau. So um, that's something I thought was unique. My dad, my mom, and I were on the sled tour. We learned about the sled, you know, Alaskan Husky sled dogs. We got to go on a tour where we were taken actually by the sled dogs, and I have great pictures of that. Um, now, of course, uh, we were interested most in what most people are, which is the Alaskan Husky puppies. Um, they are adorable. They're little balls of floof. I got to hold Jelly Bean on the bus. Um, someone said, who wants to hold him? And I yelled, I volunteer as tribute. Um, I told Jason, I said, I, I, he was so cute. I said, I didn't mind when he put his hot doggy breath, his salmon kibble breath in my face. Um, and then I got to hold Basket. Um, everybody loves puppies. You know, my dad was a little stressed, I think, about finding where we're going to go. And as soon as he saw a puppy, he basically just reached over and didn't ask and just started touching it and was like, who's a good boy? Um, So everybody loves puppies. Um, We got to go to this, like I said, the sled dog camp and we got to do this, the dog, you know, the sled, a little sled dog run, um, which was awesome. Um, The rainforest, you know, I think it's considered rainforest area is beautiful. Like I said, I felt like I was in a children's fairy tale movie because it's just beautiful um and we learned about the Iditarod um one thing that I thought was hilarious and um pretty shocking was that if you're gonna do the Iditarod and you're going like bare bones cheap it is forty thousand dollars about to for all your equipment um the you know it's like some people do an eight nine days they said that the um the the people who are in it with their dogs they sleep about an hour hour and a half every night to which i said oh i don't think i'm going to be doing that anytime soon i like some sleep um but and then of course the best part we got to hold puppies um and and just love on them um and they said you know and this makes sense that these these are things you know these um I'm trying to think of the word excursions here we go these excursions yes they benefit humans because we get who doesn't get all happy about holding a puppy but also it's good for the dogs because they get socialized because if you've got all these people touching you every day um you're going to get socialized very quickly because you, people are constantly in your face um so i loved it that was a great tour i loved the the sled dog um experience but what did you do jason so while sam and her parents uh went on the Husky puppies, uh, the rest of us, well, all but one of the rest of us, we decided to do a fishing trip. Uh, we did uh, Moore's fishing charters out of Juneau, and we get picked up at the dock area, and then we get a, a guy or a, a, a transported over to one of the, the marinas, and then we meet our captain and the deckhand who's going to be helping us out, and then we get on the on the boat that we're going to be using and we get to go out on the waters, uh, being out on the ocean uh, in the midst of mountains and everything else. Wonderful photo opportunities, wonderful um, silence just uh, when, when the boat was stopped and, and when we weren't moving anywhere. It was just quiet, uh, being away from it all. And so we got to go halibut fishing. Now, I said fishing. I didn't say halibut catching because, <laughs> well, as we would find out later, halibut yeah, there's some halibut in Juneau, but Juneau is not really the place known for halibut. That would be Ketchikan. So if you're wanting to do fish for halibut, really you ought to go for Ketchikan. Um, but we got to, since, since we didn't catch anything or really anything to take back with us, uh, we we got to, the captain of the boat said, you know, 
one of the things, if we're not really catching anything, I like taking people by uh, sea lions because we were hearing them off in the distance. And then we're, we're starting to come closer and we, we just start hearing them louder and louder and louder barking. And all of a sudden we, we kind of, he turns the boat to where that way we can see what he's seeing. And there's about 250 sea lions out on the water. Uh, some are in the water, some are on the rocks, sunning themselves. It was just a wonderful opportunity to get relatively close to the sea lions and even have one of them following our, our boat. And so if you want to go on YouTube, uh, I posted a video on vocations and vacations. I think the title of it is Sea Lions in Juno 4K. So you can see the sea lions, you can hear the sea lions and everything else. So if you want to experience what we experienced, well, you can look for Moore's Morris Fishing Charter in Juneau, uh, not a not not getting any kickback from them, but that's just who we used. And you can see the sea lions that we saw on on YouTube. All right, and the next place we went was Skagway, um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what we did. Um, my mom really is into um, she likes ghost stories and things like that and um, paranormal things. So we did the Ghost and Good Time Girls walking tour, which. Um, actually, as far as a history lesson, I thought our madame that, uh, you know, we had madame, we had a madame who, you know, was played by someone, um, who was from the Red Onion Saloon. And, um, I honestly thought she gave the best history lesson out of all of the tours that I did. I enjoyed hers the most. Um, she talked about feral Pomeranians being a problem in Skagway, which, um, I, if you ever, you know, see me in person or want to know more about feral Pomeranians, let me know. Um, she talked about Soapy Smith, um, talked about all you know of course the the brothels um and and you know really hit home about what a hard life it was for women and, and more so i would say you know women um women who were vulnerable um who had been abandoned um and how hard it was for them so um there was some seriousness in the tour um but by far the the best history lesson i got out of all you know i did the sled dogs like i just talked about i did this tour i did um the uh, street, the streetcar, Skagway original streetcar. I did White Pass Railroad. I did Ketchikan Best Buy Land and Sea, but as we'll talk about, became Ketchikan's Best Buy Land and Land uh, boat malfunction. Um, I would say I got the most history out of the Ghost and Good Time Girls walking tour. Now that is a tour where you know you're going to be walking for about I don't know an hour and a half. You think? Yeah. Um, not you know we're not like speed walking, but if you have a hard time being on your feet that long, that might not be for you. Um, I will say, like I said, you know, if it's called the ghost and good time girls walking tour, I think we can all probably figure it out that it, I would not recommend it for anybody under the age of 18. Cause it's a little saucy, a little spicy. Yeah. I think Norwegian says, uh, 16 and under shouldn't count. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, a little, a little body, um, lots of laughs, but a little body. I wouldn't take kids. Um, but you know, our, our madame was a lot of fun. And Jason, how did you take our madame's breath away? Uh, she was looking for a volunteer to play a dirty miner, and my <laughs> wife, uh, of course, volunteers me, and she asked me to introduce myself, and I said, well, do you want my name, or do you want my title and last name? And she said, uh-oh. I said, hi, my name is Pastor Toombs. Mm -hmm. And she was speechless for about 30 seconds. She was laughing hysterically. And she's like, she's like, this job never ceases to amaze me. I've never had this happen. Um, and we all were laughing. And even actually on the cruise ship, when we were waiting in line for a show, someone was like, hey, pastor. So, um, you know, like I said, it was, 
I don't want to make light of um, the seriousness of what it was like for um, working girls in Skagway. You know, I don't want people to think that there wasn't talk about how hard it was and the realities of it. But I will say it was a great history lesson. It was funny. Um, a lot of laughs. Our, our, you know, tour guide was hilarious. Um, but like I said, you know, I definitely would, I would say 18 and older, um, because it is, you know, a little saucy, a little spy, you know, a little, a little cheeky. Um, but I loved it. As far as history, that was my favorite tour was the ghost and good time girls walking tour. Yeah. Sam mentioned earlier, we also did the Skagway original streetcar where they took us around. We got to kind of see Skagway uh, from the roadways. We got to take a couple opportunities for photo stops. And then we stopped, of course, at the Skagway cemetery where we got to experience and hear about uh, the hero and the villain, Mm -hmm. the villain being Soapy Smith. And uh, even the hero wasn't really a good guy <laughs> in the end, or originally. But as someone, as our one of the tour conductors said, really, it's, it's all in the timing of things. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say with the Skagway original streetcar, um, I was laughing because we got on, and I heard this this woman say to her niece or granddaughter or daughter, say, "These seats are not made for people with hips. Um, the seats were very tiny. Try, and we had to sit two to a seat." And so I sat with you and um, we're both not petite people. And so that was, I would say that was tough was, you know, I pretty much sat on you. Yeah. Streetcars <laughs> built in 1930s uh, does not make for a uh, plump size people. No, I, I would, I would say no. Um, but everyone was in good spirits, but definitely, you know, not made seats made for people who, you know, are bigger built. Um, and the White Pass Railroad was beautiful. Yeah, the White Pass Railroad was wonderful. If you if you only have one thing to do in in Skagway, really make it the White Pass Railroad. Uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. Uh, Canada this year wasn't allowing us to go into Canada, um, so we we just did a, a round trip out of out of Skagway, of course. But we barely went into Canada, really, because that's where a loop is in the line, mm-hmm. so that we could turn around and head back. But the opportunity to exp- to experience Skagway and to experience the route that these men were having to travel on to go to the gold mines Mm -hmm. or the gold fields further north. It was just a wonderful opportunity. And we learned more about the gold fields and everything else uh, throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So everyone was a little bit different. All the excursions that we went on were a little bit different as far as the history goes. Um, But yeah, as Sam said, the Ghost and Good Time Girls walking tour, wonderful history lesson. Uh, We got a little bit of the history from the other ones, uh, but just a a different perspective Mm -hmm. on the history. I, you know, I said to Jason a lot of times, um, I didn't realize once you landed in Skagway or flew, you know, I wouldn't say fly in hello. That was (laughs) like many moons later, but once you docked in Skagway, um, just, I said, how did anybody survive getting up that trail and, you know, up the mountains to try to mine for gold? They had to build their own boats. Like people who had never built boats had to build their own boats. I just said to Jason, I said, how are people even alive in, in Alaska today? Like how did people survive and then have kids? Because just the amount of work and not knowing and, 
Yeah, it's amazing that anyone survived because just you just learned, you know, you I thought once you got to Skagway, hey, you know, gold mines down the street, but that was not the case. Um, so the next stop, Jason, was Glacier Bay. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So one of the things, a uh, cruise to Alaska, uh, really, you're, you're going there for the glaciers in addition to the, the ports that you're visiting, but you're really going for the glaciers. Some of the glacier experiences, such as Hubbard Glacier, it's one of the options on the different cruises, uh, is a, a huge glacier. It's about 30 stories high. So it's about 300 foot high glacier that you're cruising against. And th on that one, there's more calving, the breaking of the glacier and falling into the water. And it's kind of sounds like thunder uh, from the distance. Uh, and then the the splash and, and the boat rocks a little bit, uh, but not for us. We did Glacier Bay, so you get more glaciers. As I, I talked about, it's glaciers, glaciers, glaciers everywhere, uh, but they're smaller glaciers. They're they're not big glaciers, uh, and, and you don't really get as close uh, to the glaciers because, well, they're really up in the mountains. And so we had the wonderful opportunity to see glaciers, a lot of different glaciers from a distance. Um, just the beauty of Glacier Bay, it, it's phenomenal. It just takes your breath away. Um, and again, the quietness, the, the stillness of the air. Uh, it just It's just a sight to behold uh, with the mountains, the water, and the glaciers. So the next place we went to was Ketchikan. Now, if you are a fan of Alaskan bush people like I am, um, I was re-watching season one, and I think I'm almost done with season two. Um, the Brown family was in Ketchikan for a while, so um, some of the shots that they had at Ketchikan were fun to see again because we had been there. Um, Ketchikan, um, I did Ketchikan's Best by Land and Sea, um, which turned into, like I said, Ketchikan's Best by Land and Land because um, the boat we were supposed to take to get back to our ship broke down. Luckily, not with us on it. Um, we were at the cannery. So what we did, I went with uh, my brother-in-law, my mother-in-law, my nephew, and myself, um, we went, um, so that's probably, we went through Ketchikan and then we went to, um, the first histor historical site and saw the totem poles and learned the history of the totem poles. Um, and what I will say about what I, my favorite stop actually, as far as a port in Alaska was Ketchikan because the open, shop market was so cool they you went straight through now obviously this was great planning on Ketchikan you go you're you basically go right into a giant like open concept shopping center and you can buy all your um touristy things there all your mementos um my favorite was there was actually a woman playing a keyboard um who was just so talented. She did Patsy Klein, she did Van Morrison, she did Paul Simon. So I found myself on the way back from my tour while I was looking at things. I was singing along um, with Brown Eyed Girl and um, songs by Patsy Klein, and I did tip her well because she made I'm not a huge shopper. Um, but so I, you know, unless it's like books that I, you know, I'm, I'm just not a big shopper. Um, but I really had a good time. I could have stayed there, Jason, honestly, just walking around looking at stuff, singing along to her. Um, but we did the four of us did the catch can best by land and sea. And we went and saw the totem poles, which were really interesting. Um, our drive out there was about half an hour. I'm out of catch can. And then we went to a, a cannery, um, a former salmon cannery, which um, people get married there. And you might think, why would they want to get married at a fish place? But the area was beautiful. Um, and then we got to sample some goods. And I really had fun. Actually, my favorite thing 
on that tour was talking to the woman who was hosting. Um, she lived on the property. She's originally from Orange County, California, and came up to Alaska a couple of years ago and then is ma- recently had gotten married. So she's now there. And we were, you know, and with my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law, um, you know, being ranchers and um, farmers and homesteaders are talking about things. And, I, you know, she made a good point that people in Alaska – you know, because, you know, a lot of the times tour guides talk to us about how expensive it is to buy things like bread. It was, what, $7? Yes. $7. And so, you know, a lot of bartering happens that's not necessarily money related. And she and I said, does it get really tiring making, you know, your own bread and this and that? And she said, you know, if you're tired of making something in town, you can usually find someone else who says, hey, if you give me a dozen eggs, I'll give you some bread. So that's how people in Alaska do it is because um, that's just another way to that helps you to not have to do everything um, and, and then also not have to pay, you know, $8 for bread. So I had a great time on my tour, even if we didn't get to do the boat. But as we all said in my group, we said better that the boat <laughs> broke down on the way to get us than to have broken down when we were all on it. Um, so that was my experience in Ketchikan. Like I said, I loved the open market. I loved the lady who was singing, who was um, there. I hope she got paid well because she definitely put on a good show. Um, and it was just her and a keyboard. And she, man, she was good. She was my favorite. Yeah. So while Sam did that, uh, her brother and her uncle and myself, we went on the Bering Sea Crab Fisherman's Tour. It was one of the things that I wasn't really looking forward to, uh, but having been on it, it was wonderful. It was a lot better than what I was thinking, uh, just reading a little bit of the description about what it was. So the ship that they were using was the Aleutian Ballad. If you're a fan of Deadliest Catch on Season 2, the Aleutian Ballad was on there. And it was the first time that a ship uh, got rolled by a rogue wave uh, and went uh, dark in the water. Uh, engine stopped and everything, and... Uh, the captain of the ship said, luckily, we had enough crabs on board uh, that the ship, after the wave hit, the ship actually got back to right side uh, right side up uh, with the keel in the water, and they were able to refire the engines and get it running again. But it was the first time that that had ever occurred on video. And so he talked about that. Um, he talked about how uh, he thinks that the ship is unsinkable because it's been several times that it's had different altercations and it still hasn't gone down. Uh, and he said this right after we started putting out into the water. And I said, I told Sam, I said, I'm glad her dad wasn't with us because he would have said, stop, stop, stop. Let me off the ship. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of think he, he did that on purpose there. But he it was a wonderful experience where we got to see uh, how they do some of the commercial fishing. They brought up some long lines. Uh, so all the way up from the bottom, they did some crab pots. Uh, they did some uh, prawn fishing and uh, then they brought up uh, different things. Um, and then we had different opportunities to experience what commercial fishing is like. And one of the things that, that we got to experience was bald eagles um, we, we get closer to land and he's talking about, uh, yeah, normally around here, there's a few eagles in the air. So if you see one, just let me know. And then he pitches out a, a herring from the, the fit, uh, from the deck. And all of a sudden you see 30 eagles just immediately start heading to the water. And he said, be glad you're here now because the herring are running. So the, the eagles are out. Cause normally there's two matched pairs and, uh, two mated pairs and they had, 
this time there were over 50 eagles in the air. And I had an opportunity to take a, a picture of about 30 of them in two trees uh, at once. So that was a wonderful opportunity for us uh, to, to experience wildlife in a different way. And so it was just a wonderful opportunity. Uh, of course, we got to try some fresh crab that they had uh, they had caught and everything else. Uh, not that day, but previously caught. And so it was just a wonderful opportunity to experience uh, Ketchikan uh, by land or by sea for us. And we also had the opportunity uh, to um, experience uh, Ward Cove uh, on Norwegian. Uh, there's two main deck areas, docking areas for the ships. Uh, Princess and Holland America use the main area, and then Norwegian has a secondary area, Ward Cove, where they have to transport you over to the main area. So we got to experience a little bit of the the land side, and on the way back, um, we we got to actually ride with the captain in a in a eighteen or in a fifteen passenger van. So we got to talk to the captain, and he was the one who told us, really, if you come back uh, next time, make sure to go fishing in in Ketchikan if you're really wanting to catch some halibut. And he said, I, I don't know if I should be telling you this because it's simply going to take away from the opportunity to come on my ship next time. He said, but no, he, he knows a lot more about the waters of Ketchikan than he does Juno. But he said he, all that he's heard is just Ketchikan has better chance to catch halibut. So now Jason's going to talk about Norwegian cruise lines, which I know he was so ex- you've been so excited to go on um, and how it, it turned out to be bittersweet. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so we really looked forward to cruising on Norwegian because we had done Carnival. We had done Royal Caribbean and we were wanting to try the other of the main three, Royal Caribbean, Carnival and Norwegian. But it ended up being bittersweet, and it really started with embarkation. <laughs> uh, I, I said this is a disaster, uh, and, and one of the things I have to tell you is if you're going on, if you're going on a Norwegian ship, and you thinking about doing priority access, don't, don't get priority access. You're not a priority with Norwegian Cruise Line. Uh, other cruise lines allow you, if you get the faster to the fun on Carnival or the key on Royal Caribbean, you get to kind of take the express lane. It's the lane that has the the suites and stuff they go through. Well, not with Norwegian. Uh, their Haven, their ship within a ship concept, allows you to use an express line, uh, as does a person with the mobility issues in the cabin and even maybe in the party, but not with the priority access. I remember my dad, we were in line and he looks at me and he goes, this is priority. And I was like, well, it's not priority. Like I've experienced, um, I don't know, Jason, I don't know if I ever would say, I don't feel like any part of it was priority access. The only, the only thing that was priority access was once you get into the terminal Mm -hmm. that you got a special line to get to the counter quicker. Mm -hmm. But even, uh, Sam's aunt who didn't have priority access got to the line quicker than her uncle and, right. and brother who right. were in the same line right. at right. the same time. Right. And they had priority access right. and she got through quicker than right. they did. And she got detained because of a curl, a curling iron incident. Um, so she even got detained for a while and she did not get the priority access because she had booked later and she beat all of us. Um, you know, so yeah, I would not pay money for that. Um, disembarkation though was a lot easier getting off the ship compared to getting on the ship. Um, there was no priority access for separate or separate lines for us. Um, I will say though, the, the, you know, yes, I will say we're not probably going to do a Norwegian cruise again. Um, but the staff was phenomenal. Um, they, I can't say enough nice things about the staff 
and the servers and, you know, housekeeping and everyone was so kind and friendly. So the people themselves, like who actually were on the ship, fabulous, um, you know, but just the things like the people making decisions on how they're going to do embarkation um, should look at it, you know, look at it more closely because, you know, like my dad had said where he goes, I don't understand how this is priority. And Jason's like, I don't either. Right. Yeah. And I mean, as far as kind of the ship itself goes, there was a lot of things that I complained about to my family. Um, why would you have guest services near mm-hmm. one of the the main areas that you're using, especially for karaoke and sing-alongs mm-hmm. and stuff like that? Uh, it's just short-sighted on the cruise line's part. Well, and, and the problem is with the guest services was that, you know, the guest services people, I felt very bad for them because not only were they next to a really loud place at times, they also wore masks, which I understand for safety reasons. But trying to, you know trying to hear them and understand them, you know, can't, you can't read their lips because they're masked. And so you don't have that help. And then the noise just made it really hard. So if you have any, even if you don't have auditory issues, it still was super loud. Um, so yeah, that, that I didn't understand that I've seen on other cruise ships, guest services is usually in its own little corner where you can hear, but I don't know why Norwegian built it like that. No, no. Not sure myself, Mm -hmm. but to our cabin, we had a club balcony, formerly called mini suites on Norwegian. We had an oversized balcony, an extra large balcony. And that was amazing. Just the amount of balcony space we had. We had more balcony space on this particular ship. It was narrower, but deeper than the cruise that we took to, uh, to out of Miami in a suite. And so we had a lot of a lot of space on the balcony, but <laughs> Sam. So I'm a balcony person. Um, I love the balcony. Um, definitely did not spend nearly as much time on the balcony as I would I had prior with um, going to Mexico and the Bahamas because obviously it's a lot colder. Um, and something else I didn't realize is it is a lot windier in Alaska on the waters. And so um, there's this great photo my Jason took of the four Zons of myself and my mom and my dad and my brother. And I mean, it, it, in the picture, our hair's all like flying around and we got, we got the picture and then immediately got in because it was so windy, you know, the stuff, everything's shaking. The, the chairs are shaking. The tables are cha- are shaking um, on Glacier Bay day. Um, it was really windy and cold. And there's a great picture of me. I'm drinking champagne or as my dad says, champagne and with a hat, gloves, jeans, windbreaker and sunglasses because it was cold and sunny. So I was all dressed up in like almost winter gear, um, outside on the balcony. So definitely I recommend getting a balcony still, but just know you're probably not going to spend as much time out there actually out there because of how cold it is. One of the sweet things about Norwegian Cruise Lines is they have different packages. Uh, sometimes they have a, a pick two, but on our particular sailing, it was uh, all, pick all five. And the five picks that you get is 250 minutes of internet access, two nights of dining, specialty dining package, uh, the drink package. And we upgraded because, well, some of the, the liquors that we prefer to have were included in the spe- uh, in the premium plus beverage package. And then they also have a shore excursion credit and then kids sale free that we didn't have the advantage to take on this particular cruise. But we did put the drink package and dining package to good use. Uh, So one of the things we talked about previously on the podcast was if you have a drink package, um, use it. 
uh, if you don't like a drink, well, you simply just get another one after a little while. Uh, but be aware that Alaska char- or the cruise line, Norwegian cruise line, charges you different taxes while in port at Alaska as well as in Canada. And in Victoria especially, when you get into the port itself, the cruise lines are only allowed to have one drink establishment per deck while in port. So you have to make sure to get your drinks early or make sure you're at that particular bar that's open at the time. Um, something that was good, um, but bittersweet, I would say, um, was the Beatles. Um, not the show itself. I actually got a little emotional when I watched the Beatles show because um, my parents are children of the 60s and they're Beatles fans. And so um, the Beatles, the men who play John, Paul, George um, and Ringo. Did I mention Ringo? No. Yeah, John- you, you did it now. Now. OK. So, you know, the four, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison and Ringo Starr. If you ever need that for trivia. Um, the men who played them were phenomenal, particularly, um, the man who played John Lennon or played John Lennon. I mean, you would think it was John Lennon. Um, so hearing those songs from my childhood, I mean, I got a little choked up, but the problem with the Cavern Club is it's tiny and you know, I'm a, I'm a Zon. Um, I like a good game plan. I went to guest services specifically to ask like, what time should I get there? And they said the doors open up what? Like a half 730. Yeah. So, and the be there at 715. Yes. Mistake. <laughs> we got there at seven. Yeah, we got there at seven, and um, my parents and my aunt and uncle and my brother could get seats in the very far back, and only my parents could see. Um, and so we decided to not stay at the Cavern Club because I asked, and they actually the Beatles had a show in the main um, theater, which. Then again, um, I got there 25 minutes early with my dad. My dad and I had to go almost like to the fourth row in the front and then save seats because it was so packed. Um, Probably by people like myself who um, didn't want to stay and just, you know, hear it, but have to (laughs) have to look at a wall the whole time. So the Beatles, the the, that group of um, impressionists, man, they put on a great Beatles show. It was great. Um, but I, you know, when we walked by a woman who was like right in the prime front seat, I just said to her, I said, Hey, I said, I, I'm just curious, like what time, if we come, what time did you get here? And she said she was there an hour, like lined up before the doors opened. Um, so just know if you do, you're like, Hey, Beatles show, everybody else wants to go to the Beatles show. So your choices are to go to the Cavern Club an hour early, which maybe you're fine with. Um, or do the main theater, but then again, if you want good seats, um, this was the only show Jason I've seen in my, in my career, quote unquote, of, um, doing, of cruising that I saw where they had a rope and they actually were blocking people off because every seat was full in the main theater for this, um, literally 45 minute Beatles show. I had never seen that. Um, usually there's spaces between you, but not in, in this one. So the main theater, um, Jason talked a little bit about that. I, I would, I loved the Beatles show though. That was my, that probably isn't like the main show. They're really, I feel like they highlight on Norwegian encore. They highlight the choir of man, which we didn't see just didn't work out. And then kinky boots, which I did see, um, which is another show fun. Definitely not for kids. Um, and they really highlight that those two and the Beatles. I don't feel they highlight as much, but honestly, that was my favorite was was the Beatles. Yeah. One of the the problems on a ship so large, it, again, this is just the lack of kind of foresight or the lack of uh, utilizing space. The, the main theater was tiny, especially tiny compared to other ships that we've been on. Uh, you have to get there super early. Right now, they're not doing reservations due to COVID, but you do have to stand in a packed line. 
Um, one of the things that I kind of commented on with my family was, uh, in my opinion, Norwegian wastes so much space by having all these different venues for food. I think there was about 20 to 25 different food eatery areas, um, but they're wasted during the day because a lot of them are only open for dinner and they're not utilizing those spaces for different activities, be it trivia, contests, uh, painting, just different things like that. They're not using these spaces to their advantage. Um, and having small areas for the entertainment uh, was, was, in my opinion, a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Jason, what did you think of the dining? Uh, the dining, I was, it was underwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. The, the problem was there's always going to be hits and misses at each meal. Uh, there were only two things that kind of were borderline outstanding on the cruise ship. Uh, one of them was a flourless chocolate cake in the in the buffet of all places. And then the other thing was in the main dining room one of the nights, they had a Hawaiian glazed pork belly. Uh, that was one of the best things that I ate on the ship. Uh, we did the specialty dining. Uh, we took the family out to Food Republic, which is kind of tapas style. Um, but the food there, was it was underwhelming. And then we went to Ocean Blue, the, uh, the seafood place the seafood place. Um, Sam's uncle was complaining. They don't have crab. We're we're in Alaska and they don't have crab on the menu. I think they called my family called ocean blue ocean blah. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just kind of blah. There there wasn't a lot of taste in the food. Right. Right. And then we even went to the steakhouse, which according to, to some prior to COVID was one of the top 100 steakhouses in the, in the United States was on, was on the Norwegian encore, the Cagney steakhouse. But I, I've had better steak. Unfortunately, I've had better steak in the main dining room mm-hmm. on Carnival in Norwegian and, and Royal Caribbean compared to Norwegian in their their signature steakhouse. I will say though that the Indian food in the buffet outstanding. My aunt was like, "This was really good." Um, I did love the Indian food. I hit that a lot. Um, but you know, you're not a fan of curry and a lot of the traditional um, regional dishes that were there because obviously india is a giant country and you know what's northern and you know in the north it may not be in the south and so it's like america you know different um different food different regions but i did like that um but yeah the i wasn't super impressed um with the specialty dining um but yeah but you know it was it was fun to try but um you know and my and my family's not we're not like the most you know, we have to have a certain amount of spice or anything. You know, we're from the Midwest. We're kind of that stereotype of meat and potatoes and salt and pepper. Um, but yeah, I wasn't super pumped about the food. Um, it's good. You know, it just wasn't like, you know, it was no almond crusted brie, right? Yes. No <laughs> almond crusted fried brie on the on the Royal Caribbean ship on the New Year's Eve night. Right. So, um, so the last thing it, it was a it was a there, there were elements that were sweet, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of right. bitter sweetness on the ship itself. But, well, and like we said, to wrap it up about Alaska, um, is that we 100% would want to go to Alaska again. Um, I would prefer to go in Royal Caribbean um, because Alaska itself is just amazing. Yeah, so this one was just a round trip out of Seattle, but mm-hmm. next time we're planning on going on a northbound, southbound, and, and spending some time in Denali National Park, mm-hmm. uh, getting to experience Fairbanks and Anchorage and a few mm-hmm. other places. Mm-hmm. So just having a, a more uh, land-centric mm-hmm. portion before mm-hmm. before or after getting mm-hmm. on the cruise itself. So yes, go to Alaska, just, you know, 
find out which, you know, what cruise line works for you. And for us, unfortunately, Norwegian is not one that we will be revisiting. For a while. For a while. That's right. Okay, what's our fun fact, Jason? So you're going to learn something with each episode. It might be what we want to impart. Or it might not. But you're going to learn something because we continue to learn in life. Sam, how many hearts does an octopus have? I feel like I'm going to say, I I want to say eight, but I think I'm going to say one. Well, it's hearts, so it can't oh. be one. <laughs> uh, that's true. Um, two? Close. Okay. Three. Okay, why? An octopus has three hearts. Why? Because they do. Oh, okay, but there's no reason you're giving me. Well, I'm not giving you the reason. I was just asking a question. Okay. How many hearts does an octopus have? Okay. One of the other uh, one of the other podcasts, Fantastic Cruising, uh, Matt at Fantastic Cruising, he was talking about this. Uh, he's a uh, his, his day job, his everyday job is a uh, at an aquarium, and he was saying that before Finding Nemo came out, it was a wonderful question to ask. But after that, a lot of kids know because of Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. So an octopus has three hearts. This was reiterated to us on the on the Bering Sea Crab Fisherman's Tour because they brought up an octopus and they talked about how the octopus or the octopi, since there's more than just one, they know where the crab pots are. They know where the krill pots are or the not the krill pots, the the prawn pots. So they go back to these same places over and over. So they'll take the, the fish or the octopus that they catch and then they'll take them 10 miles away, drop them in the water. And less than a week later, they'll be back in the same <laughs> spot. So they'll take them and do it all over again because the octopus, they're, they're smart enough that they know exactly where they need to go to get the things they mm. want. Interesting. So an octopus has three hearts. I've learned something new today. All right. And with that, we'll sign off. See you next month, hopefully. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Vocations and Vacations podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. If you want to find out more about Vocations and Vacations, please make sure to visit our website at www.vocationsandvacations.com. You can book your next travel arrangements with us. We specialize in family vacations and religious travel, especially the Holy Land and the birthplace of the Reformation, Germany. We can't wait to come to you next time on Vocations and Vacations podcast with Jason and Sam. See you next time.